We are here with episode 12, and we got a good one for you guys tonight. So those of you that have watched our Is a Pet Retick Right for You did an amazing job with watching that episode, and you guys decided that a pet retick is right for you. So today is going to kind of be a follow-up to that. Now you've bought in your first retick. What do you do uh, in terms of when this animal gets home? All that good stuff. So we're going to answer some questions that uh, a lot of uh, beginners tend to ask. Uh, again, thank you so much for supporting the Retake Lounge. Go ahead and like, comment, and subscribe on YouTube. And if you're listening on Apple Music or on, or I'm sorry, Apple Podcasts or Spotify, go ahead and follow, uh, like, and rate those episodes. Let us know what you guys think. Uh, we love to, to read those reviews and uh, appreciate everyone's positive feedback so far. Um so Nathan, I yep. think it's fair that we actually no. I, I feel like we definitely need to include our support US Arc blurb. So why don't you go ahead and talk about US? Yeah, Arc. I was gonna say I I don't know why why you're getting so so ready for this episode. I mean I'm ready too, <laughs> but no, we gotta we gotta make sure that we're supporting US Arc. Uh, become a member today. Member numbers are always the most important thing to show our legislators. So uh, go ahead, become a member, and yeah. yeah. Um, did you say go ahead and become a legislator or am I zoned out? Uh, no, no. Uh, I, I would rather you become a member okay. of USR, yeah. please. Don't, don't be a legislator. <laughs> don't be one of those snakes. Um. <laughs> hey, unless you're a, a reptile-keeping, retic-keeping legislator who's going to fight just as Make hard a change. for us, then... Um. <laughs> um, no, I, I want to... Before we jump into this, I mean, as we jump into this... Uh, before we get to that snake arriving at your doorstep, uh, what do you need to have in place? Yeah, I mean, so number one, like two different type of buyers, right? You're either going to go to a show and you're going to buy an animal that you had intentions on buying, right? Because after you watch is a pet retic right for you, you're no longer impulse buying retics. Um, and then, Please. um, so you're either buying from a show and you're bringing it home in a bag or tub and you are also either buying a snake and it's coming to you in a box. Um, so, you know, first off, like what am I doing when that box gets to me or when I get home? Um, I'm like thoroughly inspecting that snake, right? I'm going to kind of look up and down, uh, in, in case I missed anything at the show or brought home mites. Um, I always just want to do a quick body scan of the animal you know, I, I'll even like feel the side or feel like within its belly while it's crawling around. You want to make sure that, um, so for those of you that are getting like your first shipment, I always recommend like have your temp gun ready. Um, and I, I want to add a caveat to this. When you get your first shipment, especially if it's your first reptile yeah. shipment, make sure you're, you're on top of that shipment. You're tracking it. You know, when it's arriving at your house you're not leaving it outside to for it to get too cold, too yeah. warm. I I actually like oh. as a breeder myself that sold a clutch last year. I did not send any to addresses. I always ship to a local hub. Um, if I ever run into a uh, issue where someone lives, we saw that a lot with COVID, where that's what our only exactly option ship was. to house. And honestly, it made it a lot better for a lot of us because we weren't running into some of those issues. Yeah. Now we were still running into the same issues of stuff being stuck at hubs, but that's a yeah, whole exactly. Story. So, number one, if the breeder you're getting it from and you're buying online uh, isn't on top of the weather and shipping, 
uh, conditions, um, don't expect them to be aware of that. A good breeder is going to be fully aware of that and keep you posted on when they can send animals, but don't think that it is fully their responsibility because at the end of the day, you're the one spending money. So make sure that you're on top of that. I recommend going to shipyourreptiles.com where they they will include a shipper's insurance when it is safe to send an animal, which means that they will insure it based off of there not being any um, uh, holdups at any kind of um, you know hubs, anything like that. But anyway, so you get this box and you've been tracking it. You either get out the hub or you go home, um, have a temp gum and, and temp those uh, – Temp the inside of the box. That's the first thing I would recommend doing, making sure that your snake is either not overheated. Um, if I'm temping the box and it is cold, I'll let my snake gradually heat up before I put it in its rack on 88 degrees of a hot spot. Just because you, I, I don't want to shock the animal, I'll let it heat up in room temp. Um, so I guess kind of take us into the rest of that you knew where i was going with that in terms of looking well, at the animal i'll add on to that too because as a breeder shipping to other another breeder uh when i ship my babies out that was the first and last thing that we started with um so got the package ready got all of my uh, heat packs ready because it was still a little bit cool out um set up the box like the uh, receiver had asked and took temps before I put any tubs or any deli containers containing babies into the box, took temperatures before I wrapped everything up, sent it out. And then the first thing I got after hours and hours of uh, a sleepless night, I uh, got a picture with the box in Pittsburgh and all the temps inside the box as well. So yeah, that's probably the most important thing. Make sure that you're, your snake is at a good temperature, and if it's if it's too cool, let it acclimate a little bit before you just throw it right onto a hot spot like Lucas yeah. was saying. When you shock an animal's body like that, it's kind of the same aspect of like, um, you know, if you're 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 like running and you're really hot and you just had a crazy workout indoors, and then you went outside and you went into like freezing temperatures, your body would kind of not adjust well it would probably be in shock a bit and so you don't want to just shock your animal well for for warm-blooded uh animals that's fine that, that's great for your your body cold-blooded not so much they can't regulate the same True. way so like yeah well while we can go straight from a sauna right into an ice bath and throw it back and forth it's not not as yeah. good for them it is yeah. as it is. i guess the point that i was trying to make is that you wouldn't want to be exposed to those extremes don't do it for your animal especially with a snake that cannot regulate its body temperature uh besides maybe increasing its temperature by a little bit so you know i'm gonna look and inspect that snake and because here's the thing is that if you if anything happens to your snake on that shipment um you probably have just a 24-hour window to take a picture of that animal and to send it to the breeder and to claim, hey, my snake destroyed its face, or hey, I noticed a kink tail, or hey, I noticed A, B, and C. And so you definitely want to make sure that you are um, inspecting that animal and letting the breeder know if that animal came in with any issues that were not visible in any pictures. I need to add on something there as well. Uh, one thing I've seen in the, the retic community and people just getting in, uh, into retics, receiving their first baby animal in the, in the mail, 
is a lot of these snakes in the bags or whatever container they're in will push and rub like a retic will do. And I've seen a lot of buyers get very upset at a retic coming in the mail with a little bit of rub or a scab on its head. Maybe my best looking snake, um, she came to me with a little bit of bag rub coming in the mail and she didn't have it beforehand. I had pictures and, you know, it just from everyone I talked to who uh, like was helping me get into retics, they're like, it's no problem. Wait for it to shed a couple times. It'll be gone. So I, I just. Sorry about that. I hit my space bar and it muted me. I, I just never worried about it and followed the advice I was given, let it go through a couple shed cycles, and bam, it's gone. Looks like it never happened. Yeah, retakes are completely resilient. They'll push. They'll have little scabs. After a shed or two, they're gone. So that's not the end of the world. Um, but, you know, clearly if you unbox an animal that looks nothing like the one you pictured buying and uh, it or or – has something really severe on the body or, you know, something's out of whack. You have about 24 hours to make your, your, uh, seller aware of those issues in order to have any hopes of, um, uh, repairing, you know, either getting a replacement, sending it back, whatever the case may be. Um, so do your due diligence with that part. So now, now Lucas, uh, what have you seen over the years as maybe a, a realistic issue of something arriving in the mail that you actually would want to be concerned um about. i mean so number one I, I know of an incident that recently happened that someone bought a pair of pure kalatoas and there was one pure kalatoa and then one was a motley so that's clearly something that you want to be aware of send a picture to the seller but in terms of like um health issues so like yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, obviously, misidentification is something you should know right away when opening the bag. You should have pictures of the animals that are coming yeah. to you, um, so you should be able to identify your yeah. snake. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm talking mostly health issues that you've seen over okay. the years. Okay, I I have um, one that happened to me. Big things that come to mind. Yeah, big things that come to mind for me are just like malnourished animals or just dehydrated animals, that kind of yeah. thing. So I had an instance that I was shipped an animal and it came to me with like a massive tail. I'm trying to show size. Came with a thick tail. Here I am again. Lucas' so, shapes everywhere. Um, had a really, really thick tail. Like it hadn't Peter pooped in like weeks and weeks and it was just super huge. Um, that number one is a sign of dehydration. When that happens, the internal, uh, you know, the intestines and things inside are dry. They're not properly lubricated. And so getting any urates or any feces out it's hard and painful for them and it builds up. Um, so things like that, that that's what I've experienced. Um, number two is, um, any, uh, you know, Nathan hit it, any malnourished, if it comes in thin and you see skin that you can like pinch and fold, those are signs of an animal that wasn't properly cared for prior to it getting to you, unless you and the breeder have disclosed Don't otherwise. But don't get that confused for a yeah, shed either, yeah, yeah. because sometimes right as they're going into a shed, you'll have those folds. Looks like you can pinch yeah. them a little bit, especially as they're yeah. bigger. But yeah, um, I think the, the next thing that really comes to mind is mites. Like 
have your animal out, have it in a quarantine enclosure. I think we should jump into a little bit about quarantines after this, but, you know, observe that animal for a little bit and really look at it, make sure that the health of it looks good. It's, it's moving around its enclosure, it's drinking, and then just visually observe the health yeah. of the animal, like Lucas said. Um, why don't we actually jump into quarantine right now since you mentioned it because i think that's important and then afterwards we'll we'll jump into um you know having an enclosure things like that ready so in terms of like quarantine method so like what do you do for quarantine what is quarantine first of all so quarantine is getting that snake as separated as possible from the rest of my collection so setting up a temporary tub with some heat tape somewhere a thermostat to make sure that heat tape's running properly and just setting it away from the rest of my stuff. Um, I've only really had three three animals come in since I got my original two. Um, my original two, I'll admit, I, I didn't have much of a quarantine process with them. All my stuff was in the living room and just kind of threw it into a brand new enclosure. Yeah. So uh, lucked out. <laughs> that just was working with good people. Yeah. And I mean, I, I'll, I'll comment on that. Like I, I'm going to remove it. So like right now, all of my snakes are in my garage. If I need to quarantine, they go upstairs. I have like a area upstairs where I can set up a, a sterile type of enclosure. Um, but I haven't bought an animal from someone that I don't know for a very long time or don't trust. So my quarantine method isn't as like, there's some people that'll quarantine an animal for six months. I mean, if you're if you're like in the green tree python, emeralds, or basin community, um, that that like any little health issue could be the detriment to your entire collection. Um, quarantine as long as you're comfortable for and as long as you have the space and you feel fully confident to introduce it into your collection. Um, I, I was talking to MJ at Arlington and MJ was like like, no, I don't risk anything. Like, if, if, if an animal, like, just barely looks sick, yeah. you got to make sure that you keep it away. But um, so for me, I... Well, and it, it, it all depends really what you're working with, right? So, I mean, we're, we're very, very lucky. Retics are extremely hardy animals. And even if you were to bring a retic in with some health issues, let's say it spreads, um, I think the, the worst thing I could think of is nido but i haven't heard of a ton of nido spreading through retic collections. i mean ibd is potentially even worse um IBD. and uh yeah. yes retics can get ibd uh can you break down ibd for uh people who may not um, know ibd is uh um i mean why not actually google the full name that i'll probably choke um but ibd is a virus that is um it attacks our central nervous system and causes like tremor shaking um, and a bunch of issues that uh, ultimately detrimentally, you know, can, can kill your snake and um, can actually be extremely deadly to your collection. If the thing about IBD that's crazy is that it's, it's most known in being in boas and boas show signs of it and they'll die. But um, retics and other pythons can, can completely have IBD and not show signs or symptoms of it. Um, and so if you have IBD in your collection, um, or if you don't know you do, uh, you might never know and your snakes might never die from it. Or one day you might have something showing signs of IBD and, and it could wipe out your 
collection in no time. Um, while I Googled it, um, inclusion body disease. There, that's that's what it is. Um, so we can just throw throw right that for out people there. that are <laughs> inclusion body disease. Another very typical uh, symptom of IVD is uh, constant regurgitation and throwing up. So if your snake is vomiting over and over again after every time that you feed it a meal, you should probably probably get it checked out um, and tested. But um, yeah, so with retics, as far as my quarantine method is, is I'll typically do a um, if getting the animals from people I trust four to six weeks just to make sure that if there are mites, I'm taking care of that, that there's no sign of RI. If there's no RI and there's no mites, and after four, six, because the mite cycle is typically every two to three weeks or something like that, right? Like you should definitely see eggs hatch within a month if you've had your animal there. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, no, and, and during this time, like you're checking, you're leaving them, you know, like you said, four to six weeks in that quarantine. Uh, are you hands on with them at all? Are you Are you just watching them? Are you observing them? Are you going to just... I mean, for me, if I am hands-on with a quarantine animal, it's the only animal that I'm holding within that time frame. I'm not going to go hold this animal, go inspect it, look at it, do that, and then go straight into my room, my my snake garage, and then work with the rest of my animals. Um, If I don't see signs of stress, if I don't see signs of defensiveness or anything like that, or I don't see any signs of sickness, I'm okay handling it um, as long as it's eating. Um, But for the most part, in quarantine, I mean especially if you have an animal that comes in underfed or looking underweight or anything like that, just feed it, take it out when cleaning. You'll get plenty of time to be able to, to love on your animal and show it off. Um, but if you see signs of sickness and it's in quarantine, just be mindful of that. Let it rest, let it get well, hydrate it, feed it, you know, a vet visit, reach out to people, figure out what's going on and then, deal with it accordingly um and then one thing you brought up is you know you're not going right from that quarantine enclosure handling that animal to uh the rest of your collection now i think i forget this a lot of the time being a barber just it's just second nature but cross contamination is maybe the number one sin you can commit uh under the state board's eye so I mean, you're, you're always washing your hands. You're always disinfecting your tools. You're always, you know, making sure that nothing from any other living organism is going to get on the next living organism. Um, and, and for those of you that like, so respiratory infections, one of the more common things that happen in retics and snakes in general are respiratory infections. That is a bacterial infection. It's an infection that impacts the respiratory system, their lungs. So if you're using hooks, if you're using any type of feeding tongs and tools on an animal with a respiratory infection and you don't disinfect it, or you don't have a separate set for the other animals and you decide to start handling your snakes with that same tool, you run the risk of spreading a bacterial infection that can impact the snake's respiratory system, which is not good. So again, I mean, and this goes for your own animal in quarantine. If let's say you're not getting a new animal, but you now have a snake with a respiratory infection. If you have the means and ability to separate it from your collection, get it away from the other ones just to make sure that you're isolating that infection and treating it instead of it potentially being exposed to the rest of your collection. And then, yeah, and handling, make sure you're, as long as that animal's eating, drinking, 
looks okay. I mean, even if it doesn't, you should be getting hands on with that animal and being as observant as possible. So, you know, the health of that animal. So, uh, beyond that, you're acclimating that animal to just your routine, your handling methods, all of that. So make sure you're handling your animal during that first month during their quarantine and then watch your cross contamination. I'd yeah. say. And, um, you know, of, of course, if, you know, you have been a responsible retic buyer and you've bought your first retic, um, you should have a enclosure set up prior to the animal getting there with the accurate heat, right? Absolutely. What are your thoughts on that? Because I uh, oftentimes like people thought I was crazy when I was telling friends, like when I, I was selling to people that I didn't know that didn't keep retics, um, you know, I actually had one buyer ask me if I was serious when I asked him to see like, yeah, do you have an enclosure set up? Do you have an extra thermostat? Like I was asking him questions like I'm about to send my very first clutch that I've ever been able to sell to people. These are my babies and I'm sending it to someone like, yeah, I'm sorry. I want to know if you have the means to keep this animal alive when it reaches you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, going into my first year, that's, that's probably my number one priority. I mean, uh, I've only seen a handful of examples in my uh, seven years of keeping retics or six years, whatever it's been. Um, but I have seen a couple times where people just get enamored by retics or super dwarfs or what have you. And I see them start to get a handful of them. Um, I see cohabbing. I see them set up in you know, tubs like you would use for cleaning. And not to say that you can't set up a temporary uh, quarantine enclosure in one of those tubs, but I think realistically, if you're trying to keep something like a retic, you need to you need to be looking at real enclosures and have something like that be just purely temporary. Yeah. I, I will say we could we'll probably do an episode down the road versus like like an episode of like tub versus enclosure style. What's what's appropriate? Oh, I think that would be a really good discussion. But I just want to give my two cents on um, <clears throat> like uh, using a tub with your first retic. Um now, now, are you talking tub not as a in uh, like hatchling? Okay, not, not a, a hatchling, hatchling rack, rack, not a V eighteen, like not a not not a V thirty five. That's what I thought you were referring to. So I'm just making sure. We're yeah, on the same so like page. I'm talking about like a twenty eight quart weather tote tub. That's about like, um, yeah. it, I, I actually like I I really like those when you're getting like your first retic or something because what's cool is that they're opaque, so it's not glass and fully transparent. You can put normal bedding on the bottom. You can go ahead and um, you can put plenty of enrichment, hides, a bunch of fake plants in there. Um, yes, thank you. He got one. Exactly. Those are actually, that was the one I had my Kaiwadi in. And um, I know that a lot of new retic keepers are doing a phenomenal job with getting amazing enclosures for even their babies. But I I, I'm totally down for the first four to six months of your snake's life as long as you are responsible and are already purchasing its next enclosure, okay? This isn't like I'm, I'm going to buy a retic on a budget and then buy a tub on a budget. But those tubs are amazing because you could put the sticky 
little fake plant on there. You can put a bunch of hides and that snake could literally feel like it's in a jungle. And, and I think they're actually phenomenal. I kept my first like three, four retics when I got them for the first like four to six months I had them, they were all in those and they were all super sociable, not shy, never struck at me. And they, they seemed to like it. Yeah. Um, and it forces a different kind of interaction when you're pulling them out, you can pull that tub yep. up, put it on a counter, whatever you need to do. There's a little bit of motion right before you get them out. That's yeah. There's, there's definitely some benefits that I see there. I, I think it's just the OCD or whatever in me that just, you know, I, I want to have them set up. In oh, me too. Enclosure. I want them looking me, me No, I, I agree. <laughs> me too. Um, if you can go the enclosure route, like by all means do it, enrich it, make it beautiful. Um, but I just, I see a lot of people like on, on the, the Facebook pages that have these elaborate plastic totes that have beautiful foliage and cover, and it looks phenomenal for a baby retic. And I see a lot of people, I see a lot of people oh, shaming yeah. them and, and, and saying you should be getting that snake in enclosure. And it's like, I get it. Bottom line is as long as it's set up, has heat, that heat is regulated it is secure with inside the enclosure. I think you are doing yeah, just fine. It, I would say just have a plan to upgrade yeah, that. Yeah, ASAP. Like the moment your snake gets there, most major manufacturers of PVC cages are on a four to six month wait. So you better be ready to pull that trigger. Um, and sometimes when they say six months, it'll be yeah, seven days. We're not going to mention any names here, but... Um, Nope. Yeah. So, so always plan ahead and plan accordingly um, because you guys of course have watched is a pet retake right for you. So, you know, all this stuff. Um, so, I mean, like even during quarantine or when it's with the rest of your collection, let's be more specific here. How frequent do you handle any new snake that you have? It, like I said, as long as it's uh, eating, drinking shows signs of good health, I'm going to be handling that snake as much as possible. Now, if it's in poor health, um, which I haven't run into yet, luckily, uh, I think my plan would be to handle that animal, document as much as possible, get advice from mentors, uh, especially the uh, seller of that animal, um, and then address issues from there. Um, handle if possible, if the issue is something where you, the animal can still be hands-on, yeah, I think that's general guidelines. Yeah. Uh, but going out of that, because uh, you're still within your quarantine process during this time, you've just got your new retic, it's in quarantine, you're maybe handling it. When are you feeding it? Ooh, okay, that's a good question because I feel like, um, you know, for other species, ball pythons and such, uh, that are known for being picky, finicky eaters at times. And so a lot of people have this idea of like, wait two weeks, right? I, I hear that all the time. And even sometimes with retakes, like give it a week or two to acclimate. Um, if you get a snake that's healthy and it's coming to you lively and it's healthy, um, I fed a retic the same day before and it's eaten. Um, I've waited a week before and it's eaten. Um, so really the way that I determine that is I'll ask the, the seller, when was its last meal? Um, that's always good to know. Um, I, you know, if, if you've, getting that you're getting that first retake try to ask the seller if they have the last three times at eight just so that you have that record my first retake that i ever got i got uh I, I mean it was a hatchling but i believe i got 
at least its last three or four meals and its first shed on a card. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Um, I didn't do that with my first, but I wish I would have. I actually I texted them that information, but I think now that I'm going to be getting an ARS rack for my hatchlings and I'm going to be clipping a pin to it with an index card, I'm just going to send the index card with the baby. Um, I think that's the easiest thing to do. But what I did was I documented all that on my phone and I send it off with the people who bought them. I would just say like, here's the documentation. Here's the first five meals. Here's when it shed. Um, but that's, yeah, that's huge. So, um, you know, some breeders are going to include all that information. And if you have it, that's great. But, um, yeah, so with me, I'm not worried about when am I feeding my retic. Like I, 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 like I said, I fed the same day before and it would take it. Um, I haven't had a retic that I got ever deny its first meal with me so what i typically do is i i put it in its tub and then the next day that i'm feeding the collection um within that week is when i just decide to offer it food i've even had a a picky mail come in that uh i tried to offer a small rabbit to i maybe even a rabbit kit can't remember but uh for whatever reason he just didn't like the scent of it um, so, uh, contacted the breeder, found out he was eating rat pups or something maybe a little bit bigger and switched over to rats the next day and yeah. he took it. So sometimes it's just a matter of what you're trying to feed yeah. him as well. Um, so yeah, that like that, the whole question of asking like, when should I feed my retic after getting it? Like just, just offer it food. It's these aren't ball pythons or other shy species. They're actually the most enrichment you can give a reticulated python is feeding it. That's literally what it loves the most is eating. So go ahead and, and feed it. And um, I, I, you know, I, I'm almost inclined to say, and this isn't the case with every animal. So this isn't like a black and white statement that I'm making. But I'm almost inclined that if a retic is refusing food, it's for, like. The only like valid good reason a retic's refusing food is if one it's in shed and doesn't like to eat in shed, or two it's it's cycling and breeding. Any any time outside, or or it's just young and scared. Well, yeah, I mean especially when you're trying to get animals acclimated. Um, but yeah, retics are generously, um, you know, if you if a breeder has an animal eating three to five times when you get it, there's a good chance that it's going to eat for you. If it doesn't give it some more time, but, um, I wouldn't be too worried about like, when should you, you don't have to wait like a whole two week period. Um, just offer it food. If it doesn't eat, give it a few more days, maybe add some more hides in there and try again. Well, and this is a great time to point out our, our feeding episode. Yeah. I mean, it goes hand in hand with getting your first retic. Yeah. You maybe want to like, especially if it's a defensive flighty animal, you maybe want to wait a day or two to acclimate. But after that, as long as you can get that animal started on food, should follow somewhat of those guidelines or whatever the people you trust are saying. Yeah, I agree. And, and I mean, um, if you guys have your own opinion on this, go ahead and just comment down below, like add to the add to the community, add to the discussion. We love hearing opposing views and, and, you know, views that are similar to ours. And it provides those that are looking at the comments, some information. So in terms of how you quarantine, in terms of when you feed with a new animal, give us your input. We love to see it. Um, so, okay. You have a snake in quarantine or it's out of quarantine. We talked about feeding already, but like the big question that I see often is like, 
when should I start hook training? When should I be using a hook? When, when, you know, what, what, what do you have to say about that? I'm, I'm trying to find a way to draw this out and not be so short and sweet with it. Um, <laughs> we could be short and sweet. But I feel like I, I, I kind of have to because, uh, yeah, that's the only way. Um, so with the hooks, I start my animals right away, but that's just because I want them to be in a routine from day one. I want them to expect a similar experience every time I go to feed, to clean, whatever I need to do with the animal. I want them to expect a certain kind of experience every time yeah. I go in. Not to say that you won't have a, a certain animal that uh, no matter what you do won't respond to that, but those are far and yeah. few in between. Reed ticks are very, very, very good at making association. Um, and what I mean by that is like um, I the very first retic I got, um, when I feed her, I tap the enclosure, doom, doom, doom. And you'll see her literally just me going boom, boom. I actually stopped doing it because she would make the association. When I tap three times, one, two, three, she'd freaking lunge at the freaking glass and smack her face on there. And I don't even have food to offer just yet. So retakes yep. are very, very, very much easy to train in a sense of like, if you have a routine with the animal, the animal is going to be more um, likely to associate when it's handling time, when it's feeding time. But, um, yeah, I guess my response is that is like, um, I know there's like a culture in the ball python community that is like, oh, you use a hook for your ball python, just man up, you know, like everyone like frowns upon that. Um, and I know that there's people that like, uh, there's people in the retail yeah. community too. I mean, I'm, I'm people have seen it in person. I'm, I'm a wimp even with the hatchlings. I don't love yeah. getting bit. It's not fun. <laughs> um, but aside from just like also not wanting to be bit, even though if it's by a hatchling and it's not going to hurt, it's going to scare you more than it's going to hurt you. Um, I go back to what I've said in previous episodes. For me, it's a matter of complacency. Once I think I have the confidence to reach in and grab an animal, whether it's a baby or whether it's an adult, is when the one day there's going to be a mistake that you get bit. So I always say if you're going to use a hook with an adult retic, which you absolutely 100% positively should, um, yeah, especially if you don't have someone yeah. around. Or, and if, I mean, or a hook equivalent. I know a lot of people use paper towel, use a paper towel, whatever you can to break the feed response of your animal. Um, I mean, why, why not start while they're really young? I mean, if you, if you decide one day to just like with your two year old retake that you never use a hook to go in and try to use a hook, it's probably going to try to eat the hook because it's never seen a hook before. Um, so I, I don't know. For me, like I'm going to use a hook and, and it, I'm not using the hook to like drag the babies out. I'm not saying do that. Just rub it, tap it, then pick up with your hands. Give it the association that, oh, when this idiot touches my head with a weird looking object, I, I'm going to be picked up instead of fed. No, I'll add a caveat to that because I did have a, a flighty male hatchling that, you know, the female I could go in, rub its head get a control get control of its body and then we're good to go um the male he was just squirmy and even when you would tap him on the head he would run to the other side of the enclosure some sometimes like if you're dealing with an animal like that yeah you can control a little bit of the first third of its body try to get it moving and in control realize that things aren't 
so yeah. bad and then yeah. get that snake out of the and i mean we could talk about retic behavior as well later in another episode again um and it's almost better with visual aids i mean we can talk about it all we'll day, include but, some videos that I mean, that would be good aids. too but one thing that i want to mention is that you know we, me and nathan are very very big advocates of using hooks almost all the time um i we are also both fully aware that if you know your animal um you know there's there's breeders and keepers out there that know their animals and can can pick it up and do different things and and i'm not saying the way that we do it's the only way to do it um i'm just saying for safety purposes because the one day that that you know you think you are reading your snake's behavior and you accidentally wake it up and scare it and it decides to think that your food um, you just don't want that to happen with a snake that can get relatively large. And even if it's a baby, any time that that snake bites you because it's fearful or it's a food response bite and you either have to pinch the tail or spray Listerine in its mouth to get it off you, you now have a negative interaction with that animal. And those animals remember negative interactions like, I mean, they, their memory is great. They will not forget a bad interaction. Um, retics, yeah, they definitely... Once they have some bad interactions, they can definitely hold on to it. But I also think they're uh, reward-based yeah. as well. So as long as you're taking care of them well and you have good interactions after that, and you have some consistency oh, after they're that, they're forgiving. I've I've had, yeah, I've I've had a I've had a food bite and then a defensive bite from one of my girls, and uh, you know, even though uh, she's smaller and everything. Because of those interactions, I just work a little yeah. slower with her and give her her time to realize what's I happening. I guess a good example for me to kind of, so I have a Helma Harris right now that are very defensive and <clears throat> I started building a really good positive relationship with the female to the point where I could get her out with the hook and I can hold her. And as long as I was slow and steady with her, she would never strike me. Um, one day, one of my helpers, uh, not one of my helpers, my helper, Sean, Shout out to Sean. He's a Patreon member and he comes out and helps me. He's awesome. Um, man, we haven't even brought up Patreon today. What are we doing? Um, go join. Well, I was going to say with that video content, Lucas and I are extremely busy with the podcast itself. Um, so providing all the extra stuff, especially working with our collections, we provide that mostly within the Patreon yeah. community. Uh, not, to, not to be stingy, but we just are just uh, working full-time jobs, doing the podcast, also trying to film on top of taking care of our collection. And a personal so, life. Like, <laughs> you know, uh, be become a lounger today. And, you know, we're, we're not trying to hold this out for the highest tier or anything like that. Join us and you can see us working yeah. with our animals. So back to my Helma Harris story, I was working with her and getting her confidence up. And then he, um, he took her out and he had her and she was just laying very, very still like not budging at all. And that's, that's when and, I get And nervous. so it was really weird. And so I cleaned up her tub while he's holding her and he's like, she's wrapping me pretty tight. And, and at the time I didn't think anything of it, but so I go, I tell him, I'm like, all right, just bring your hand over, go ahead and put her back in the tub. And uh, she starts to like go back into the tub, but it's still wrapping with her lower half pretty tight. And so my thought was just like, use your other hand to go ahead and just like get it off and guide it back in there. And he went to do that. And the moment that he did that, she turned around bit and constricted. It was like a food response bite. But after, after 
they're very smart about where the end of their body is. I've, I've noticed anytime I've had any kind of weird, sketchy instance like that, I felt the body tense up. I felt the end of the tail wrap tight around me. And then the snake reared back around coming out of the enclosure. Um, and, um, so after that experience of her biting him, every time that I'd open up her tub for the next two weeks, she's striking, she's defensive, she's nervous. And it took me two weeks to build back up that relationship. So you can definitely build up your relationship with your retics if you have a bad experience with them, but they will definitely remember it for the time being. Um, going back to circling at that point to explain what I meant by that. Cause yeah, it's definitely much different than an extremely intelligent monitor that is like, no, you are a POS human. Get away from me. Um, wait, wait, pause, pause. We're having the same thought. You yeah. heard. Oh, cheers. So on that note, um, when should you start using a hook? I say from day one hook paper towel roll. Yep. Um, just get in the habit yep. of doing it. Don't be complacent. For those of you that don't use a hook, I'm not saying you're you're dumb or or irresponsible. Um, I just hope nothing bad happens to you, and I hope that you can become an amazing keeper that can read your snake's language and be able to open up your snake's enclosure, let the snake read your body, and have this beautiful relationship like I've seen people have. But for me, at the end of the day, um, I don't ever want to risk a 12-foot snake biting and wrapping me because I decided not to use an extension of my hand first. Yeah. Um, and then, um, yeah, I mean, so we've, we've, let's just talk about real quick and summarize. So got the snake in the mail. We talked about unboxing or unbagging when you get it from a show quarantining, how frequent should you handle it? Um, when should you feed it? Um, start using a hook what else do you think that you want to add to like what should people know uh one 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 small thing that i think you missed out on uh but i think it's relatively new but being as i was in chicago and got to see all the support at the u.s arc auction i think it would be unfair to not mention uh red line shipping major u.s arc supporter um spent some serious money at the auction and has shaken up the shipping game in the reptile industry quite a bit. Um, I still love ship your reptiles. I think they're a great option. Um, haven't shipped anything since, but you know, I think both of those are solid, solid options. If you're looking to get, an yeah. Um, I actually haven't been on Redline shipping's website. Um, yet to look but um i i and the reason why i even mentioned ship your reptiles earlier was just because i know they have that shippers insurance so generally speaking if they include that it's a good day to ship does redline include that i i'm like you i haven't had the need to ship since uh redline has come on the scene um i know their prices are super yeah. competitive uh being in the animal industry i sure hope that they have some kind of yeah. insurance uh, that's the biggest reason why I go to ship your reptiles. Um, I, I mean, even though they're not always able to insure my full package, especially when I'm sending out yeah. hatchlings, you know, uh, it, it's at least good to have a tiny bit yeah. of peace of mind. Um, stuff goes wrong. 
in the mail. Like I said earlier in the episode, stuff can get stuck at hubs. Um, if you have a snake coming from someone who really just wants to ship it, even though it's not a totally responsible time, then, you know, you, you just, you run into the, the possibility of that animal getting stuck somewhere in their yeah. being issues i mean the longer that snake goes without heat or overheats whatever is just risking yeah. the animal neurologically just its life in general yeah. all that let me if you don't mind we haven't done lucas's rant of the episode yet um Ooh, and, and I, I actually just this this just came to mind as you were speaking but um so before before when is adler gonna create us some kind of like overlay that comes down some graphic that's like lucas rant i can i'll 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 talk to him about that lucas rant what minute marker are we at we're at about 44 minutes i'll tell him to look out for it um (laughs) right that'd be awesome some like audio coming in (laughs) lucas's (laughs) rant okay um so let's talk about what i want to rant about um you're uh you decide to get a pet retake and a pet retake is right for you and you're getting your first pet retake. Um ask the person that you are buying from uh what their policy and procedure is. Like just ask for it because some might not even have one, some have a very detailed one. Mine's pretty detailed, but the reason why I ask is because or I guess the reason why I say this is because you're a buyer and if you are not happy with the product that you receive for any reason just voice it. The worst that a breeder can say is deal with it. And then you get to post whatever that you want and and put them on blast or do whatever you want. But one thing that I constantly see is people spend $800, $1,000, $500, even $200 on a retic. And what ends up happening is that they get it. They're not happy with the animal because it doesn't look okay. doesn't look the same. Uh, there's, there's, uh, scarring, there's something wrong with it and what they do all they do is they don't say anything and then they go on Facebook five days later and they complain and they never said anything to the seller that to, to try to make amends if you if you're not happy with the animal that you receive let the seller know ASAP um so I I hate to even bring it up again because I, I feel like I'm bringing up the same scenario twice in one episode but I did recently just see a, a circumstance where someone got a, a snake with some bag rub, uh, ended up contacting the seller. Seller said, hey, it's some bag rub. Uh, should go away in a shed or two. You're totally fine. Uh, buyer wasn't totally happy with it. Went on to the retic communities after telling uh, the breeder that he was going to do so. Breeder was like, all right, go ahead. You're totally fine to reach out to people and got the same answer from multiple different people um i urge you to just be open-minded there's people that have been keeping probably longer than you have especially if you're getting your first second third animal so just just be open-minded to the fact that that if if you're getting the same answer from multiple people you might be getting good information and just wait it out um if you're still not happy at that point then work out an arrangement with the breeder and and get your money back, exchange the animal. Whether And, and some breeders will refund the animal. Some breeders will replace the animal. Some breeders will tell you, send the snake back. And I, you have credit now towards what other, other, whatever other animal that you want. But, but at the end of the day, I guess my rant is about the idea that people are unhappy with the purchase and the animal that they end up receiving, but then they don't say anything until a week or two later. 
and then expect to try to 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 call the breeder out but it's you never made them aware of the the issue at hand and then number two if you're a breeder and you're selling animals and you're shipping animals out your reputation is on the line every time you send an animal out send an animal out in good health that's hydrated even if you need to wait two or three weeks to send that animal out, if, if it didn't have a meal for whatever reason or whatever the case may be, just understand that like you're running a, a business and you are an extension of your business name and your animal that you send out is a piece of your business. Someone's unhappy with that animal. They're unhappy with you. They're unhappy with your business. So just remember that because I see a bunch of, uh, you know, these, these people that are sending that, that are producing, you know, a thousand retake babies a year or they're, they're mass producing retakes and they send out terrible looking animals and then they expect it to just be okay. Like that, like, like that's the status quo and norm. Just know that when you're, you're selling animals, it's, it's, you're not just selling a retake, you're selling yourself. So for breeders, be more responsible when you sell, when you send an animal out and just send a healthy animal. If it's not healthy, be transparent and wait till you get it back to health. Yeah. And as a buyer, you need to accept the fact that, you know, it it might not always be the perfect time to have your retake arrive in the mail. Uh, I've seen buyers get frustrated over the years of, oh, I bought this animal two weeks ago, but it hasn't been sent to me yet. Well, it's been 107 degrees throughout the country. Yeah, we're no, no one's sending. You can't animals. convince me. You you can't say just put it on dry you don't ice. Need neurological issues or you opening a box with no. a dead animal. We don't we nope. don't want that. That's that hurts us too. Like even though that animal is sold, that's a piece of us that we put ourselves into yeah. that year. Like it's, I, I, we're we're proud of the animals I, that I, we I, produce. Whether it's whether it's a wild type or the most expensive animal we sell, it's it's important to us. Yeah. Um, I, I was so excited about what I was going to say that I almost interrupted you twice. Um, but, but yeah, when I, You're when good. I, y- you got to understand and maybe not all breeders are like this, or maybe this is just because I'm new and I'm not like desensitized to the experience, but like, I still call the babies that I produce that now people own. Like I still call them my babies. Like they're still my, like I, I put a lot of work and I'm very proud of them. And so, um, if you want to complain about me not sending an animal out, uh, it happened during my first experience. Someone was frustrated about me not shipping, even though they had got another animal shipped to them by another breeder. Again, it, it there was backups at certain hubs, and I said, we can wait. Like, this is your animal. You've paid for it. I'm paying for its meals. I'm feeding it. I'm cleaning it. I'm watering it. Just, I'll send you all the pictures and videos you want. Just sit back relax. And when the snake that I know is a hundred percent going to get to you, okay, I'll send it to you. If not, and you're unhappy, I, you know, I'll be happy to lose a sale if that's the case, but I'll never jeopardize the well-being of an animal. You're on mute. You hit your space bar. Weird. <laughs> you're on a roll. Yeah. I, I've been, I've been using my space bar all episode, but didn't didn't work for me that time. Damn it. Um, no, I mean, especially as new as we are, I mean, every animal counts and, you know, we're putting ourselves out there. And I think even the big breeders too, uh, especially the ones that are doing it right, you see the same level of care. They they care about every single yep. animal that's coming out, being taken to shows. Yeah. Like if it's if it has 
rubbing issues or if it's not well started or whatever, it's it's not going to show up at your doorstep or at, at the yeah. booth at the show. Yeah. So, I mean, again, buy from someone reputable. But at this point, at this episode, you've already bought your animal. So, um, Nathan, you got anything else to cover? That was a good rant. It was a good rant. And we both kind of got in onto it. So it wasn't just Lucas's rant this segment. <laughs> um, but no, I, I, I think we covered pretty much the basics of what you need to do when you get your first retick. Uh, obviously, jump back to that first episode is a pet retick right for you. If you haven't already gone through that, please do. Um, give us any feedback that you please. Remember, we have our Patreon running, so become a lounger today. We have an awesome Discord channel that's 27 very active. members deep. Uh, tons of 27 members. We have awesome ideas, awesome conversations happening all the time. Just really good people over there. Um, Lucas and I need to get a slide or something together thanking everyone because we love our Patreon members so much. Uh, become a, a US ARC member. Member numbers, like I said, matter more than anything. So make sure you become a member. You're donating when possible, and we'll see you on the next episode. Have a good morning, good night, good evening, whenever you watch this. Thank you for tuning in. See you, everyone. Do you want to do Later. your little chair thing? is so cool i'm gonna like stand up so that it makes it look even more dramatic